Welcome into another edition of the Commitment Issues Podcast. I'm Woody Womack, joined. Uh, first, you know what? We're switching it up this week. Nick, you're back after a two-week hiatus. How does it feel to be back on the podcast? Nick Kruger. Yes. Yes. I'm back. I'm better than ever. Oh, we've missed you so much. And of course, uh, joining us from Miami, uh, busy hatching conspiracy theories against a Miami fan base, Rob Cassidy. Rob, how's it going? I think I want to become one of those guys that thinks it's hilarious to talk about whether or not Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Please save it for the end. I've got some Christmas movie complaints, so that's a nice tease because I got. Some- I did see. Uh, I, I saw. I saw not too long ago on Amazon they were pushing like a children a children's book version of Die Hard as a as a Christmas story. Imagine thinking um, that's yeah. a funny topic of conversation. Hey, you guys get it because it's not a traditional Christmas movie. If I say it's a Christmas movie, it's funny because it's set at Christmas. Hey, but I only have one question for you, Rob: Is a hot dog a sandwich? <laughs> It's a, yeah, it's the holiday version of that. So we have six months where we decide if a hot dog's a sandwich, and then six months about Die Hard, and everyone laughs. Um, so, yes. so anyway, we want to remind everybody: please leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, please share with your friends. You can also reach out to us on Twitter uh, at Rivals Podcast and our individual handles. Very easy to find if you just search our names. All right, we want to jump right in with the news that Florida State officially hired Willie Taggart. Uh, we recorded some parts of the show later uh, <laughs> that come later earlier in the day before we knew it was official. We, we weren't sure what was going to happen. So, uh, but but this is the biggest story of the week, obviously. And boy, do I have all types of takes for for you two gentlemen. So, Rob, let's start with you. You're the Florida State uh, wizard, uh, Florida man himself. What do you think of this move, not only from a recruiting standpoint, which obviously seems like a home run, but uh, just as a coach in general to replace uh, Jimbo Fisher? I think it was it was definitely the smart move. Now, does the smart move always work out? No. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and tell you I know for certain that Willie Taggart is going to win a national championship in Florida State. But I think anybody with half a brain uh, that was sitting where Florida State's athletic department was sitting would have made the same move. Uh, I definitely would have if I was the athletic director at Florida State. It makes too much sense. He's been successful everywhere he's been as a coach. He knows how to recruit in Florida. He knows the ropes around here. He knows the right people to talk to. Uh, he's from here. He's won here in the state. He's coached here. It's almost a perfect storm. You know, you know, he was doing very well at Oregon. Uh, a lot of people could argue he'd have even more wins this year if it wasn't for the injury to his quarterback. Uh, like I said, I think I think it's the smart hire. Now, I don't think that necessarily means it will be a successful hire because I can't see the future. I don't want to get freezing cold taked by our boy. But uh, yeah, no, like I said, I, I think it's the smart move. I mean, <laughs> I like the hire. I, I can tell you that you know, it is a little interesting because, uh, you know, Willie's a unique guy, um, famously, uh, made me sit outside his office for three hours only to blow me off when I went there to record a podcast. Yeah, you had to get that in <laughs> with him. So, uh, for a recruit that he didn't get. So let's put, get that out on the table. Um, he did a great job at USF, but, uh, and he, and he did a good job at Oregon kind of turning things around, especially considering how bad they looked at the end of the year. Of course, you know, those weren't his players. You mentioned the quarterback that obviously was recruited by the previous staff. And there, there were a few freshmen who made plays, but for the most part, you know, those were inherited staff. I do think it's interesting that he takes his third job in, in less than a year, a calendar year. Um, and I think, you know, we can talk more of this about from an Oregon perspective later. I don't think he's going to jump ship again. I mean, if, you know, Florida State is obviously not the type of job that you leave after a year. I don't know. I saw a lot of Oregon fans talking about that on Twitter. I, I expect him to 
definitely turn things around this recruiting class. I think they're going to pick up several big time commits over the, you know, in time for the early signing period. And uh, I'll be curious to see how he does though, as an, as an in-game coach and a guy there, there were some games this year at Oregon where I think the Nebraska game, they got a big lead and then they, they failed to score after halftime or they scored one touchdown and Nebraska almost came back. And there were a couple other games like that, where I think the Arizona state game where, where he, you know, they struggled down the stretch. So I'll be curious to see what he does with his staff. Is he going to be the play caller? Um, and I think, you know, so I think Florida State fans are on board based on the, the people I've talked to. They've been excited about it. Uh, and, and people are just so happy to be rid of Fisher. I do th- I do find it a little interesting that everyone was like saying, you know, Jim, you know, I mean, they were really trashing him on the way out the door, even though he'd been there for a long time and won a national championship. Uh, but, of course, now they're opening – <laughs> there were the open arms for Taggart, even though he essentially did Oregon way worse than than what Jimbo did. Well, to, the, to the difference there is, and I think we all know what it is. I mean, there's hurt egos, right? Florida State is a destination job, and you tell these fans it's, <laughs> that somebody would ever think about leaving Florida State, especially go to a place like Texas A and M, it's going to hurt their feelings. Um, you know, in the days leading up to this, before it became pretty apparent that it was going to happen with Jimbo leaving. These Florida State people were insulted that anybody would ever suggest that Jimbo Fisher would leave Tallahassee to go to, to Texas A&M. And I was one of them. I, I could not believe – I remember when I was first told this rumor by somebody that works at an apparel company, I laughed at him. And this was you know months ago. So you know I guess I, I can understand the shock, but I think that's part of the reason why they were so uh, angry at Jimbo on his way out the door. Yeah, and I'll be curious to see. Okay, we, we it's, it's going to depend on who Tagger brings into the assistants. I saw that uh, I saw a tweet that said you know a lot of the current assistants are under contract. They're going to have to buy them out. I do think it's going to be a little messy there, kind of getting things done, especially especially considering uh, you know Mario Cristobal staying at, at Oregon. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen with the rest of the staff. I'd have to imagine, uh, Rob and I talked about this on the phone earlier, that several are going to go with him. I mean, the guys he brought from USF are not staying at Oregon. I, I can't I can't see that happening. I think Jim Levitt's going to go with him, uh, who, you know, was, was a terrific coach at USF, turned the, the Oregon defense around. I can only imagine the kind of defense that Florida State's going to have. I mean, the, the Oregon defense went from literally the worst in the country to, I think, the top 30. And that was with, I mean, some of the defensive linemen they were tossing out there. I mean, playing, you had Jalen Jelks, uh, your your former boy, Rob. Yeah, an Arizona product. <laughs> yeah, playing on, playing D-tackle, essentially, you know, which is crazy considering uh, he's he's tall and, and super skinny. So, and he, he was effective. I just think... If they can, if he can get a lot of those guys down with him to Florida State, they should have success on the field because the talent's there. And I think there's a low, it's a low risk move by Florida State because say three years from now, you're not happy with Willie Taggart as a coach. You know, your roster is going to just still be stocked with talent because he's such a great recruiter. So uh, from that perspective, I like it. I, I don't like the fact that, you know, you know, it should state that I'm from Oregon. Uh, that's where I grew up. Uh, I didn't like I didn't like the way it all went down with him leaving after a year, but I think that the blame falls on the Oregon athletic director. What type of contract did you sign with this guy to, to where he could essentially walk out of the door for less than five million dollars? I mean, you know, it's uh, also a special you, situation, right? Like it's these Oregon fans that are like he's going to do you like he did us. Well, okay, 
He left USF to go to Oregon because, of course, you're going to take that job. That's a step up. He left Oregon to go to Florida State because, of course, you're going to take that job. Because if you're, all your recruits are coming from Florida anyway, and you grew up in Florida, and you're, you know, your lifeblood as a head coach is recruiting the state of Florida, and then they offer the job in Florida that's most recently won a national title, uh, it's a wise career move. I mean, the stars kind of aligned. I don't think that Willie Taggart would have jumped from Oregon to, say, Nebraska or say even like Texas A&M. Well, it just happened to it just happened to line up. I, you can say that, but his name and we talked about this in mid-November. His name was popping up at every job. I think uh, I think somebody reported that he was a, a candidate at Ole Miss and may have even turned it down. Uh, so he was something tells me that he did, he didn't want to stay there, and it may be for have nothing to do with football. Uh, because Eugene, Oregon is a, was a weird place, especially for someone who's, you know, from the South. Uh, and, and maybe he just didn't want to stay there. And I, I think they were looking around, they were trying to get more money either way. Oregon offered him a raise. It wasn't enough. And I, I just think, uh, you know, I think Oregon got played pretty, 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 pretty <laughs> to put it pretty simple. And I think the AD, uh, there should kind of come under fire because of because you you can't have that low of a buyout for a guy that you're entrusting with sort of you know being the future of the program. I mean, were they going to fire him after one year? No. So why not make the buyout higher? I just it, I think they got played by by Taggart and his agent, and I don't blame Taggart. I mean, the problem is a lot of these coaches, as we've seen, are you know are not you know. They're not what they built up to be. We've talked about this hundreds of times. We've talked about Andy Staples on the show. These coaches have this persona like, you know, they're so great. They're just getting guys to buy in, you know, to their BS. And that's the bottom line. And and the, the poor, gullible people of the state of Oregon, you bought in hook, line, and sinker, including my poor sister, which sent me some real sad text messages uh, early in the week, I'll see if I can, if I could pull them up. It just you know just as mad as the Florida State fans were at at Jimbo. I think the or- the Oregon fans are not really angry. They just seem sad, and uh, I don't think we can understate how catastrophic of a blow this is to them. Unless they hire Mario Cristobal as the head coach, I think they lose ninety percent of the staff, and in turn, I think they lose about fifty percent of their recruiting class. What? Well, the Florida Nick, what kids do you are gone. Think- Oh yeah, the Florida. Well, the Florida kids are gone for sure. Which that's about four or five, uh, including some of their top targets that were still in the market. Nick, they've got a bunch of kids in Texas. Uh, we, we're assuming that that Marcus Arroyo, who's the the co offensive coordinator, he's going to stay through the bowl game. They haven't said if they're hiring him yet or not. But he he coached uh, at Tampa Bay in the NFL before he came back to college. If he leaves, we, it's safe to assume that a lot of those Texas kids are are gone as well, right? Yeah, that'll be interesting. You know, he's he's uh he was actually out making the rounds, doing some uh you know in home visits and and whatnot here recently. I know uh, most recently he was hanging out with four star receiver uh, Miles Battle and uh, visited with him. You know, but the but but Battle um, and their other twenty eighteen uh, commit from Texas, Verone McKinley. Uh, neither one of them have posted any sort of, you know, real reaction to uh, the the coaching move, other than you know battle posting the the pictures of his visit with uh, Arroyo. So, you know, it's still kind of too early to tell, you know, what what's going to be going on with them. You know, Verone McKinley's had a lot of options um, throughout his recruitment, as has uh, Battle, but you know, 
We'll we'll see. I I think Verone was a little more interested in a, in a couple of other teams besides Oregon down down the stretch. Whereas with Battle, I think it was more of a clear cut decision. So you know, I would expect Verone to kind of be the most likely out of the two of them to start looking around. Marcus Caldwell, uh, recent 2019 commit, you know, has been posting some posting some things. Uh, still in support of the program, I believe. So you know, things uh, as far as the Texas to Oregon connection right now seem uh, fine. But you know, when a Florida State offer comes down the pipe. Uh, you know, you have to you have to weigh that into your, your consideration too. Well, and guess what, Oregon fans, did we not try to warn you on this podcast several times not to get your hopes up? Who didn't we, Rob? Yeah, over and over again. I think many times I've said he's definitely leaving you. Right. Well, not only we said that, we said you're Those not kids gonna, aren't going there. Right. We said. You're, Wait. Let me let me ask you, Woody. Let me ask you a question because I, I don't remember very. You know, I don't remember much of anything. So, uh, what was the coaching search like for Oregon a year ago? I mean, it was was Taggart. Where was he on their list of uh, guys they wanted? I mean, as any school will tell you, it was a, he was the only contract we offered or whatever. But yeah, the only they, guy we entered. They went after Dan Mullen. They went after Matt Rule. They went after Gary Patterson. They interviewed the coach at uh, they interviewed the coach at um, uh, uh, Boise State. Sorry. What if they What if they offered Matt Rule again? Do you think he'd want to get out of Baylor? <laughs> yeah, I think Matt Rule would be on the, the first thing smoking. I Matt Rule would take a job as the third chair on this podcast. Right. Yeah. He he, <laughs> he would be long. He would be long gone. I wish. Uh, I'm trying to find this old. Uh, I'm trying to find this old. Uh, the site on the thing on the Oregon site where I was told I was an idiot and we're SEC homers and we don't know anything. Well, I mean, when when we said it over and over, I, I mean, the kids were they would have gotten Warren Thompson if they would have held on to Taggart. Um, probably they may have gotten Isaiah Bolden if they held on to Taggart, but they were never going there. I, this whole thing, I mean, you want to talk about a house of cards. Um, any one thing goes wrong and you, you're in Oregon and you have all these commits from Florida, which I point out all the time that you can fly to London in the time that it takes you to fly to Eugene, Oregon from Miami. It, any one little thing goes wrong and it blows up in your face. And that might be part of the reason why Taggart wants to move back east. You know, Maybe he knows that. It's like, look, we're recruiting well, but we're recruiting well on kind of borrowed time because if any one little thing happens, these kids are not coming all the way to Eugene, Oregon from Florida. Our boy Chris Harper that left, remember him, that left Eugene to come to K-State and then on the way out said, I'm leaving because the people here are weird. (laughs) They're into the environment. Yeah, I do do remember that. To tell the Oregon newspaper that was really something. So so who's the the number one candidate to replace Taggart at Oregon? Is it? Uh, The number one candidate for continuity aspect would be uh, Cristobal. And I, I saw some other names. You know, McIlwain was thrown out there, which he would. Yeah. <laughs> you you have to give you have to give Cristobal <laughs> an opportunity. I think at this point, right? I mean, he's he doesn't he deserve one at this point? I, he's going to try to recruit Florida too, and it's not going to work. Well, I got yeah, but guess what? He, he, he Cristobal could put together a nice staff and, and do a nice job. I think. I don't know. He had his ups and downs at, at FIU, as we all remember. But I mean, he had FIU at a point where it was beating UCF. Uh, and, and putting guys in the NFL. So, uh, somebody look up Chip Kelly's buyout at UCLA. Yeah, it's like ten million or something. People have been mentioning that. I think some of the names though that I've seen are not not great, Bob. I mean, it it's you know, oh, the the, the coach at Cal, Justin Wilcox, who, who went to Oregon and his dad played at Oregon. So, I mean, there 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 are limited options, and just the timing is just brutal because not only did they miss on Chip Kelly two years in a row. 
They hired Taggart and Chip Kelly then became available shortly thereafter. Then they miss on Frost. They would have been a candidate for Frost. And let me tell you something, Phil Knight loves Scott Frost and he probably would have paid more than Nebraska. You know, they would have definitely at least had a bidding war uh, in that one. So, so let's <laughs> real quick before we move on to Arkansas talk, I don't know who they're going to get. I, I wrote a realistic candidate story, which may or may not be published on Rivalstock. <laughs> <laughs> so you can check that out if you want to see uh, who some of the Ducks' uh, possibilities are. But so, so my sister Wendy uh, texts me on Thursday. Wait, Wendy said, and Woody? Yeah, Thursday. It's called oh. alliteration. Rob, welcome of to course. the club. That's a, that's amazing. She says. Uh, do you think this was Thursday at 7:42 p.m.? Do you think that Taggart will actually leave for FSU? <laughs> and I said, if they want him, yeah. <laughs> she says, "Ugh, I didn't think he would at first, but the more I follow it, the more concerned I get." Uh, uh. And I said, "Well, it's a better job, and it's in Florida." <laughs> Harsh reality to my poor sister. I said, we'll see what happens. And she said, yeah, I hope not. The new contract Oregon offered him wasn't too shabby. And then Nike and Oregon just made a new deal, $88 million over the next 11 years. I'd hate to have him leave and take all of our bad new recruits with him. Oh, wow. <laughs> look at, look at Wendy. He plugged First in. All, you and Wendy are both getting an email from William Trochi about using that word on this podcast. <laughs> well, Nick might have to believe it, but... Uh, I said, here's what I said. And this is what I told my poor sister. I said, they will have to pay him more than that new contract. FSU will pay him at least $5 million a year. What, what, what did he sign the contract was? What was it? Six years, $30 million, right? Exactly. Uh, then I made another comment, which I cannot read on the podcast because it, uh, it talk about Bill Trochi not letting it through the air. <laughs> this one definitely would not. And uh, she says, very true. So disappointing, though, after the year we had last year, then to come back the way we did this year and end the season with such a positive outlook for next year, kind of depressing. Wow. <laughs> this is like somebody's Boy, really this, yeah, this is like somebody's college football innocence being snatched away. That's true. Yeah, because it's and guess what? It's the whole program. I mean, they they you know, even you're talking about a place that had Rich Brooks who played for 18 years when he was going three and eight or whatever. <laughs> you know, just, God, the entire Oregon fan base just found out that Santa Claus is fake. Right, pretty much. And there's been several columns by uh, by John Canzano almost saying as much. It's been uh, it's been real interesting. So I, I, you know, sorry Wendy, sorry State of Oregon. Uh, congratulations, Rob Mullins, the AD at Oregon. You played yourself. So. Uh, We'll see if he can make a big hire here to replace him, but the timing is not is not great. We, you know, this early signing period continues to be an ultimate disaster. We, we'll talk about that on another episode. Uh, the other news that broke since we recorded the rest of this podcast, which you will later hear, is that Arkansas uh, hired Chad Morris, which, by the way, was broken by our Arkansas site, hogsports.com, and they reported as a done deal, yet all these other reporters are trying to act like, oh, it it could be finalized at 24 hours. Give us credit. We broke the news. The players on SMU are already commenting on it. Talk about a Womack fact check. Yeah, I'm no talking, kidding. You know who you are, people who aren't listening to this podcast. You'll credit any. You'll credit anybody with breaking a story. Sources. We have a source. We cover the team on a daily basis. We broke the news. So, Nick. Yeah, I was going to say you should just shout out the person's name. 
Uh, no, it's several people. I couldn't even shout them all out if I was going to call out all these people who aren't giving uh, Trey Biddy and Danny West the proper credit they deserve. So, I, you know, it's going to be tough to sell magazines when you've got national media, you know, not giving you credit when you were No kidding. You break news. So, <laughs> Nick, uh, I guess I'll, I'll chime in on this one, too, because I know uh, our, our coach Morris. We know uh, that uh, you follow SMU program very closely. So what are they getting? What's the news? How excited should uh, Arkansas fans be? Because it seems like it's a split decision right now among the fan base. Yeah, that's really interesting to me. I mean, before we started recording, I, I mentioned to you, I was like, didn't Arkansas try to get their offense uh, you know, going a little bit quicker than than – usual and you guys were both like no not really so boring <laughs> maybe they but out, though, which check. might give me an excuse to watch an arkansas game here's the here's the deal though i mean southern methodists we're talking we're talking about a top 10 college football offense uh this this past season i mean he showed very uh strong improvement year you know in his in his two years as head coach there and smu and i think you know i think uh I, i'm personally i'm a little surprised that it you know it took him this long to get hired in this coaching carousel uh, with this job in particular. You know, it seemed uh, it seemed like he was one of the the hot names for a lot of different jobs. But I think this is a good fit for him, and I think it's a natural progression for him. I mean, a lot of Texas A and M fans thought that he was he was next man up when someone was out. So to find himself in the you know in the SEC with an opportunity to still recruit Texas, uh, you know, is is a pretty good a pretty good fit for him. I think. Man, fourteen and twenty two at SMU, and I understand that the program was in. A- total state of disarray when he took over but one of these hires whether it be him or willie or whoever that got hired with the losing record is going to blow up in one of these schools faces Uh, that's going to happen i think i'm not going to say which one i think we talk about that later in the show you can you can guess which one we think is not a home run hire as i saw uh people talking about so let's let's go straight to hog sports which uh once again big shout to them for breaking the news which people are pretending like they didn't break Bad decision by the decision makers. This is started by a fan. I do not remember a head coach hire in my lifetime that starts with the fan base this this, this divided. Bad decision. And then well, you, know, you know, Greg Schiano. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, wait a second. It was so, so who did Arkansas really want? Uh, Norvell hired you know, been better. By the Norvell way, or someone. Yeah. But why is why is Nor- why is Norvell any well, different look, of a, Nick, a, a the same profile coach? Look, Nick, unless. It, pretty much every coach that's not John Gruden sucks. I don't know if you haven't heard or anything well, like that. But if you if you're not hiring John Gruden, you're really screwing up. Okay, so so this fan says a Norvell hire would have been better. By the way, Memphis had no problem re-signing him. And our boy Longhog says, which what a name by the way. <laughs> Speaking of things that Bill might want to leave on. There's another email from William Churchy. Yeah. <laughs> right, but speaking of which, Bill's calling into other podcasts, so I don't even know if he's got time to listen to ours when he's getting yeah, featured. Like randomly, you're <laughs> calling to some podcast. Yeah, solid verbal. Did you hear it, Nick? We're talking about our editor, Bill Trochi. No, I need to go back. And it was the to episode it. after Vanderbilt beat Tennessee, and he he was right in there calling in, talking about anchor down and things of that nature. Do you do your best? Wait, do your best Bill impression on the call for our listeners right now. <laughs> uh, so it, it appears to me that Arkansas wanted someone or they wanted there's a petition that they signed to get mike leach um so they had a very long it looks like brent venables i don't know well whatever anyway you're just saving from do my bill impression because you weren't paying attention but uh, sorry go ahead i was was reading arkansas fans (laughs) 
Ivan, we didn't think you were actually going to um, do it. Anyway, I'm not going to do it. Well, we should just pull the clip off of the solid verbal and play it. <laughs> to play it. Um, he's, this says that's a this guy Long Hog who we were talking about says that's a pretty strange comeback. Just because a mediocre mid major wants to keep their coach doesn't mean that an SEC team should hire him. Uh, see, I mean, it's a lot. You know. I, I don't know why they wouldn't want him. Think about if he never went to SMU. Let's pretend that didn't happen. Okay. This okay. you're talking. He came from. He was a he was a coordinator at Clemson. Yeah, that's correct? what I'm saying. Imagine if. So if they want Venables, then they should want Morris. Morris has head coaching experience. Now you know he can recruit the state of Texas, right? Which they have to do at Arkansas. So I like the hire. So, right? They shouldn't, guys. Arkansas fans, you've been kind to me on the message board when I posted that story just now. Just you know, let it let it happen. It'll be fine. Wait, all I know is I don't want to get cross with anybody named Long Hog. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> we never have to worry about anybody calling you that, Rob. That's for sure. Basically. Wow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could tell a story that's related to that, uh, related to, to Rob, which is so funny. Uh, we are really brushing up against being fired. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, one of the funniest stories. One of our bosses is calling into it. We've, we've now gone with the hog innuendo. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're all out of here. <laughs> Matt Rule is going to be in this chair next week. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, that's it. Let's move on to some other topics that we talked about earlier today. Let's go into the George Michael sports machine and uh, finish the rest of the show. Now, We've been picking games every week, and every week I come in last place. But guess what? Championship weekend, you know, big players make big plays and big games or whatever people say. I went 3-2-1 and one last week, and so did Rob and Nick, despite us all making different picks. So uh, that brings the season totals. Rob still leading the way at 34-20-3. If you bet his picks, you'd be making a lot of money. Nick goes Nick at 29-25-3, also a moneymaker. And I've... Uh, <laughs> I've raised my winning percentage to only 20 games below 500 at 1737. <laughs> <laughs> Getting ridiculed by Rob's friends and text threads now too, by the way. Yeah, I texted my friend Nick about another one of our friends that can't pick a winner. And he's like, I was like, I've never seen anybody, I've never seen anybody be so bad at picking winners. And I didn't realize he listened to the podcast all the time. And he responds with, well, you host a podcast with somebody that's pretty darn bad at it too. <laughs> I am bad. There's no doubt about it. So, uh, Go the opposite of me. We only have – because there's only one game this week, Army versus Navy, that's the game we're going to pick. We're also going to do the under-over or the over-under for that. So uh, Army uh, and Navy, they play in Philadelphia. I think it's te- it's a neutral site game technically, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. It's, yes. They move it around a little bit. So I am going to go first, and I'm going to take Army. Guess what? I think Navy's been limping to the finish, and uh, I, like, I think Army's got momentum. I like their coach. I'm picking Army. Rob, what do you think? Somebody very close to me was talked into betting $500 on this game last year in the back of an Uber at 3 o'clock in the morning the night before, and it did not turn out well when he bet on Navy. Uh, so I will try to avenge him, and, and I'll, I'll take Army as well. Uh, Nick, what do you <laughs> – I remember that was a dark time for your friend. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it wasn't ever. <laughs> Nick, what do you think? Man, I you know what? I don't really know uh... – I'll go. I'll go Navy just because you guys both picked Army. Okay, the over under set at forty six. Uh, I'm taking the over. I'd like some points to be scored in this game. I don't know what the weather is going to be like, but uh, over is my pick. Rob, as mentioned, I watched this game very intensely last year. It was the most boring game. I'm taking the under. 
there's no way they're scoring 46 points. <laughs> Nick? So is this, is this like uh, is this like the game that both these teams get up for every single year, yeah, right? Like they, so they steal each other's mascots, and it's a whole it's a whole it's a whole tradition laced celebration. Uh, uh, I'm I, I'll 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 take the over. I've I've not been good at picking unders all year to myself across uh, all contests, so I'll take over. All right, so those are our two picks. Uh, Rob likes Army and the under. I like Army and the over. Nick likes Navy and the over. So uh, do what you will with those. All right, moving on. We should talk a little bit about the college football playoff. I think the only person who has a take on this topic might be Rob. The final four end up finishing uh, Clemson, number one, Oklahoma, number two, Georgia, number three. And, of course, the controversy, Alabama getting in over UCF at the number, <laughs> number four spot, uh, followed by number five, Ohio State, and number six, Wisconsin. Uh, Rob, you were mad. Al- you, I don't know if you were mad Alabama got in, but you, you, you didn't think they should have been. So you want to you talk about it at all? What do you think? My hottest take is that Ohio State and Alabama and USC are all not good. Um, I wish there was a way they could have kept all of them out, but at least, at least Ohio State won, like beat somebody good. I guess is my way of looking at it. I realize they did lose to Iowa by a whole lot of points, but eventually, I don't know. I think that if I were on the committee, I would have voted for Iowa State. Like I said, I can't get too upset about who gets in and who doesn't because I just don't care enough. But if I'm Ohio State, I'm I'm upset because you know I won my conference, I beat an undefeated team to win my conference, and Alabama got a week off, uh, and the best team they beat all year was Mississippi State. Yeah, I'm with you. But as I've always say, once a team loses, you lose the right to complain. So Ohio State lost twice. You know, I know Alabama lost too, but it's out of your hands. You, you lose control unless you're UCF and you win every game and you don't even make the top 10. <laughs> um, so what can you do? I mean, do I think there are other teams better than – do I think Alabama's resume is very good? No, of course not. I mean, you know, I was explaining it to somebody and I, I was like, well, UCF beat number 20 twice. and Alabama's best win is over number 18. So it, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense if you just look at blind resumes. But I think we all think Alabama's got a bunch of good players. Uh, I, I really don't think it's fair to Clemson to have to play Alabama essentially on the road at the Sugar Bowl, which I think we'll think well, there will be more Alabama fans. Yeah, in that I think game. Clemson's going to pound them anyway. I don't think it's fair or unfair. I think that I think that Alabama's got a swift beating coming their way. <laughs> Boy, oh, good thing. I hope uh, what's Harvey Updike, the dude who killed all those trees, isn't listening to this podcast, Rob. <laughs> You'll be pounding on my window. He'll be coming over here to kill my celery plants uh, that I'm growing in my uh, kitchen sink. So, <laughs> or or my natural or my real Christmas tree, which would be a, a true shame. So, I don't know. We don't have picks except for Rob thinks Clemson's going to win. Uh, we'll pick those later on as we move throughout the off season. Nick, you got it. Were you outraged? What did you think when you saw the field? Well, I was I was a little uh I I just I just thought like, I I remember watching college game day uh on Saturday morning and they had Nick Saban on uh talking about talking about the games and you know and he said he made a comment like if you look at our total resume uh you know in in the midst of all these conference championship games being played and Alabama not playing in one of them and he and he goes to the he goes to the line if you look at our resume from this season I think we deserve to be in there which I understand, you know, he sort of has to say that, you know, because it's his team and, he, you know, he's the coach of it. But at the same time, like, is that really like, is that like your best argument if you're Alabama? Because it's like Rob said, I mean, they, 
they didn't really play, uh, you know, by, by their own standards and, and by the standards of everybody else. I mean, they didn't really play a, a world beater schedule. So, you know, it, it, I, I, I guess, you know, I mean, I'm not outraged. I don't, you know, it doesn't really make a, a huge difference to me either way, but I, you know, I just kind of feel like maybe there, there maybe some other sort of train of thought could have been applied to, <laughs> to putting them in well, or not, you know, it's clear. They just make it up as they go along. Anybody talks about, there's all these keywords every year, you know, emphatically beat and this, or this guy was hurt. There's, it's just a bunch of old dudes in a room sitting around just kind of thinking who they think is the best. They're not looking at advanced stats. Did you, if anyone saw that picture tweeted by Heather Dinich of all these old dudes sitting in a room watching the games together, I mean, I think they need to spice up that, uh, get some diversity back in that room. I think that would help. I think some younger people, uh, you know, would, would, would do good. And I think, say a guy like, you know, Chip Kelly or Kevin Sumlin, uh, someone that's out of the sport for a year when they're not coaching, why why don't they put them on the committee for a year and let them be in there? I mean, you're telling me that Kevin Sumlin wouldn't be a good candidate to be on that playoff committee right, right away if he's not going to coach this year. So I, I do think they just make it up as they go along, number one. Number two, I think there are certain teams who just – the, the thinking was when we started the playoff, it was like, oh, these teams are going to have to schedule big non-conference games now if they want to get in. No, they don't. Alabama beat Florida State. That was a great win at the time. Florida State – stinks i got news for you they went six and six to go into shreveport so because they were ranked high in the preseason that makes it a good win no it doesn't because they're not very good so there's no benefit if you're ohio state if you're one of the true blue blood programs clemson ohio state uh maybe even usc and alabama why play a good why play a good team why if ohio state wouldn't have played oklahoma they would be in the playoffs say say they didn't play oklahoma and they played uh, NC State instead, or another another out of conference team that they would have beaten. They'd be eleven and one, or twelve and one, and they would be in. So, well, no, but but I mean, all all this proves though. All, all, I mean, let, let's just say like Alabama got in based on reputation. It, on the other hand, though, I mean, if Alabama ends up winning the championship again this year, then what can we say, right? And then the and then the committee feels that they did the right thing anyhow. So. Uh, you know, it's kind of a weird situation, I think. Yeah, something's up. So that's it. We'll, we'll have picks later. We're not that outraged, but Rob was outraged. He sent me some outraged texts um, at the time even because he hates Alabama. Right, Rob? No, I just think that they got in on their name, and that's fine. I mean, it's whatever. They're probably going to win the thing now that I've said anything. So, Yeah, tied privilege, I think, is the term you used. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just made that up off the top of my head. That's not bad. That's funny. Um all right, moving on. Time for the top five. Uh, number one, we have to start with it, our most passionate fan base in terms of uh, the Rivals.com network. Uh, Nebraska, they finally hire Scott Frost. In an interesting way, it all went down. I think everybody knew it was coming, but for it to come out in the middle of the game uh, was, was pretty odd. I know Nick was texting me about the game. I was watching the game on my phone while shooting video of another game. Uh, and, and people, you know, my friend Travis kept texting me and a little notification bar kept coming over the screen. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm watching it. You know, uh, they end up hiring, they end up hiring him. And I mean, he was, it went fast. He was, he was off the field. And next thing you know, he was in Lincoln taking pictures and you know, I don't think any of us fault uh, him for doing that. I think it was a great hire. Uh, Rob, we, we've been getting called by reporters from, uh, Omaha and all, all types of places hitting us up asking about how he's going to do recruiting there. 
you had a chance to cover him essentially the last two years at UCF. How do we think he's going to recruit at Nebraska? And do you think he's going to be able to rely on getting guys out of Florida to come to come with him? No, I mean, that's not going to be his A1. I mean, he'll be able to get guys out of Florida. There are, there's plenty of talent down here and he knows how to recruit the area. He will get guys. And I wouldn't be surprised if he got a few four stars out of the state, pulled them out every year. I mean, he has a name, he has a cachet, he knows how to kind of work the ropes that we talked about on this podcast a lot, the right people to talk to, how to kind of go about doing this. I think that'll benefit Nebraska. But I don't think you can be expected, no matter who you are, to go that far away, uh, quite frankly, in the north, in the middle of pretty much nowhere, and recruit you know guys that Florida State and Miami want. Uh, he's not going to win those recruiting battles in Nebraska. That's just not going to happen. So if he can live in Texas and he can get the Nebraska area talent and he can even get into California a little bit, I think he'll be able to supplement every year with some really, really good players from Florida. I think they're going to see – I think Nebraska will see a bump in the in the type of player they pull out of Florida. Uh, they've you know they've been able to kind of with the meddling three stars and they've missed on some of the IMG kids. I think that they'll get those players and they'll get some guys maybe in the 250 from Florida. But I think if they're thinking they're going to start going head-to-head with the Gators or the Seminoles or the Hurricanes – uh, you know, maybe they'll win a battle here and there with those guys, but I don't think that I don't think that that's happening. Uh, but it's nice; it'll be it'll, you know he'll be able to supplement the guys that he gets from other states. But here's the thing: uh, you look at a guy like Adrian Killens, who's there, who, who's there, uh, UCF's running back, wide receiver. He's basically their you know little DeAnthony Thomas version, one of the fastest players in the country. I sent Nick a hilarious video. I don't know if you got a chance to watch it of a of a guy commenting on how fast he was. The I think those are the type of players he's going to get. That was a three-star guy who had he gone to, you know, he's small. He's small and fast. Had he gone to any other school maybe, you know, say he went to Georgia Tech or say he went to, you know, name another a program, you know, Wake Forest, he wouldn't be having the kind of career he's having. Because he went to play in that offense, he's having success. If you can get a player like that, who's maybe his only other options are FIU, FAU, UCF, and USF, and Frost can recruit him to his system, he's going to go to the Big Ten and dominate. There are three stars in Florida who, if they lived in the Midwest, would easily be four stars. Uh, well, he, he doesn't need – I don't think he need, even needs to wait that long. I mean, in the short term, he's got a guy that we're pretty familiar with in Tajon Lindsay that could kind of right, kind of fit that role. Yeah. And so and, – and, and what you see and what you see here in Texas, I mean, sorry, sorry to kind of hijack things here, but I mean, what you see in Texas, they, a, a major recruiting strategy – for uh you know for TCU and for Texas Tech has been you know come come here and be the Kiki Kuti be the you know be the Turpin be the be the be the small slot guy that gets you know gets the ball on the run in space and takes off and and goes and Frost Frost comes in with a with a reputation right off the you know right from the jump with you know everybody knows what happened at UCF this year even even if you you know even if you aren't a, a you know, privy to all the, you know, the details of what went on in the season. People know that they went undefeated. Kids know that they went undefeated. Kids know that he was a, a big name uh, that brings a big offense. And I think, you know, I think that's going to play well in Nebraska, especially if they can get Lindsey involved early. He can be that guy. See, that's why I think they'll get guys out of Florida that I, mean, I don't think they necessarily that guy. I mean, they guys like that can help him little short guys that don't have other offers. But I think because of the cachet he's built down here, they can come in here and steal some of these guys from, you know, schools that we like, you know, the South Florida starter pack, I like to refer to it, guys that have the offers from West Virginia and Missouri uh, or even Louisville. I think those are the type of guys that Nebraska now is in play for. And I think that's going to be I think that's going to be a big boost to them. 
Right. I mean, imagine if they get somebody like Lamar, you know, Lamar Jackson, obviously that's an extreme result, but that's a guy who Louisville got on early and the other schools passed on and they tried to get in late. I mean, imagine him playing in that offense. I mean, we saw what he did. So, you know, they're out there trying to steal people's commitments. I do find it interesting that they are not really going after the, the guys that are committed to UCF. And I don't know if that's like a, uh, if that's like a respect thing or not, it's just everything's so weird because he's going to continue coaching. He's going to coach the bowl game. It's going to be so his, weird. His staff and he's taking almost every, I think he left two coaches behind at UCF, a uh, longtime guy who's been there under O'Leary and was under some other guys. Uh, and then the offensive coordinator, Troy Walters, who, who was a young guy who, who played in the NFL. He's the interim coach. Uh, it's just, it is weird, but I think if he is going to come back and coach, he can't really steal. <laughs> Can he, with good conscience, steal their recruits while he's like, okay, I'm going to come back and coach you now. We just flip five of your commitments. Yeah, I guess that makes it a little bit complicated. I mean, but you know, there's no loyalty in coaching. But you know, maybe Frost is the exception. It would be, it would be pretty tough to explain that to your boss, though. You know. Yeah, and, and of course, UCF announced uh, a new coaching hire, hiring Josh Heupel, um, the offensive coordinator from Missouri, and the former. Uh, uh, Oklahoma was he, quarterback. quarterback at Oklahoma. He worked yes, at Oklahoma he was, yeah. too. Uh, seems like. He, do you think? Wait, before we move off of Frost, I mean, uh, do you, if I if I'm him, like, am I sort of pissed that the that the news broke that I'm you know mid game that I'm going to Nebraska? Like, like, wouldn't that rub you the wrong way? Not if I could right, not right they would give me millions of dollars. Nothing would rub me the wrong way. They could break the news um, that I had five arms, and I wouldn't care. Well, we have two. We. Oh, go ahead, Nick. Yeah, but he he could have made millions of dollars anywhere, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, but he played quarterback like, there. I don't know. I, I don't think that, that I don't see that as such a big deal at all. Well, like, why would he care? I, I think it did make it awkward because then you had to have McShay had to ask him about it after the game, and it, it was weird the timing. Um, and I think you know the yeah, Brett McMurphy put it out. Who who was? Uh, and then they had to talk about it on the broadcast. I, I don't know where the information came from. So that's how you could say that, you know, maybe it was Frost's agent or or maybe it was Nebraska or maybe it was someone at UCF who said, if he's going to leave, let's make him face the music. But it seems like an amicable breakup to me. So I don't know why it came out. I thought it was weird. Uh, part of me thought that, that when McMurphy tweeted it, he thought Memphis was going to kick the game winning field goal and they were going to lose. And then it ended up going for like 45 more minutes after that because of overtime and everything. So it was bizarre. But uh, I think we all, I think we, if we're grading this higher, all of us are probably giving it an A, right? Yeah, I, I think it's a fantastic hire. Nick? Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course it's. <laughs> Terrific hire. Fantastic hire. Um, some people uh, are saying it's the greatest hire. Yeah, yeah. Some a lot of people, a lot of people are lauding this as a terrific hire. So great job, Nebraska, uh, and they're going to have a lot of recruiting news uh, coming down the stretch here as they go out. And I think they're going to steal some some kids. I mean, they're they're looking at the quarterback who's committed to Tennessee. I think they're going to they're going to clean up, and I wouldn't be surprised to see them finish in the top twenty uh, by the time it's all said and done. And guess what? They're going to be good next year. They're going to win eight games. Michael whatever Penix that over under would be a great great piece for a Scott Frost offense. Who would? Michael Penix, the Tennessee quarterback. Well, it looks like they're recruiting Adrian Martinez, the other Tennessee quarterback. Yeah, so you would be too. 
who knows? Uh, maybe they'll take both of them, and the, the Vols fans would be very upset about that. If, but if they ever hire a coach, yeah, they don't have a coach. They, <laughs> they might have a coach. We're recording this on Tuesday, so we don't want to talk too much. About By the time this airs, Nick Kruger could be the head coach of Tennessee. Right. Well, you know, Nick. Evidently, everyone with red hair looks the same, right, Nick? You know, so uh, you. And- you guys wouldn't like that be- because I'd have to immediately put you guys on my staff at Tennessee, and you know what would happen if that was the case. <laughs> I'd love to be. I'd love to be. I would immediately go do interviews and talk about how much how much the star rankings don't matter. <laughs> That's that rock would be painted so quickly. Fire Woody Womack. That your head oh yeah, yeah, Nick, you'd be praised, but yeah, they would hate me for sure. So, all right, moving on. I want to talk about this. It's just popped up on the old Twitter feed. Uh, so I figure let's uh, inject it into the show. Former five star Shea Patterson, who has been at uh, Ole Miss. Uh, he's transferring, and there's all types of rumors about where he's going to go, what he's going to do. I mean, we've been hearing this, you know, even before the year. I was told he's going to USC. It's a done deal, and, and obviously that's not going to come to pass. Michigan now being mentioned as the prime destination. They were also uh, putting out feelers, I think, for Jacob Eason. That was the the rumors. And I think we we all expect Eason to end up at Washington, back closer to home. So. <sighs> what do we think about Patterson? I know you're not the biggest fan of him, Rob, even coming out. Rob was never a, a big fan of his talents. Um, I have always thought he was a, a, you know, a great player. I, I was the one who pushed him above Eason in the rankings. Obviously they're both turning out to be flame outs at the schools they started at for different reasons. If he goes to Michigan, uh, how do we think he fits? He, he's not the typical Harbaugh quarterback. I mean, He's a he's a he's a running quarterback. He likes to get the ball out quickly. He doesn't strike me as Mister Pro style offense. So and he's a little short for that too, right? How do we think he fits? He doesn't fit the mold to me. Uh, but would how Rob you you covered him? I guess his last year of high school, sort of. What do, how do you think he would fit there? And what do you think that would mean for Michigan recruiting, especially if they could get him eligible uh, right away? No, it's nice because they do need a quarterback and he's certainly an upgrade over what they have now. I don't think anybody's going to dispute that. I just, I never saw all world with him. Like, you know, he's pretty good at a lot of things, but he's not somebody that you look at and you're like, he does this extremely well. And I'm not sure what that this is. Um, He can run the ball a little bit. Uh, He doesn't have tremendous arm strength. He's not tremendously accurate. He's just good at lots of things i i don't know maybe i'm wrong i've been wrong before i'm sure he'll win the heisman trophy at michigan now but i don't see how he fits you know he's not he's not the kind of guy that they've had success with there that harbaugh's had success with but you know he he is talented i'm not saying he's a bad player it's it's gonna be mighty interesting to see if he does land there how harbaugh uses him yeah i i think he will i honestly i think you know we i do think he's all world i i'm curious to get nick's opinion on this because nick saw him Actually, the time when we had all the quarterbacks together with our previous guest in front of the show, Quincy Avery, we were all out there. Mr. Shut Up and Train was there. It was a real dream team of off-the-field talent. And, of course, we had several highly-ranked players on the field. Nick, what, what do you think? How much did you buy into him as a prospect? Uh, you know, and, and what do you think about that fit? Well, I mean, in that, in that particular experience that that day that we were out there for that uh that camp or or what what was it like a, a two-day yeah, thing a, they were out there the following yeah, morning so, i mean i thought i thought patterson was the the best looking quarterback that uh that afternoon i mean obviously that's just uh you know that's just one event that we're talking about you know just throwing just throwing on air but i i always you know between between the two between easton and patterson i would prefer to have patterson i just think and especially if i'm michigan because 
I just think that he brings a little bit more juice. I mean, you know, he might not have he might not have some of the physical intangibles that Eason does, but you know, I I didn't think that you know I wasn't sold on Eason being as highly ranked as he was either. I prefer you know Patterson, uh, you know, just as a playmaking quarterback, and I think that that's kind of like what you know what Michigan is sort of thirsty for as an offense, something just with you know just just a little bit more uh, of a dynamic offense, and I think. Um, you know, I, I I would trust uh, Harbaugh to be smart enough to be able to utilize that, even though he's you know not the typical Harbaugh mold quarterback. But uh, what did uh did wasn't Harbaugh the coach when uh, Hogan was quarterback at Stanford? Uh, now the Browns quarterback. Sure. Yeah, I think they might overlap for one year, maybe. And there's a little there's a little bit of a similarity there, I suppose, from as far as a guy that could kind of you know move the pocket, move around on his you know create some things on the run. If you want to draw that sort of comparison, I, I just think that, you know, I, I think Michigan kind of needs a little bit of a shot in the arm, you know, just a little, just a little bit more personality on offense. And I think Patterson sort of brings, you know, kind of kind of, uh, you know, some different shades of color to, to the potential of that offense. Yeah, I, I personally I think Shea's a winner. I think if he goes in there, he helps them right away. And uh, if they can get him, of course, uh, that waiver to get him immediately eligible, which him and uh, Deontay Anderson, who is a former Texas prospect uh, who transferred out of Ole Miss, is, is also trying to do. I think they're visiting together, according to uh, our boy Bruce Feldman, who reported that on Twitter, which let me think about it. I just sent a message to uh, <laughs> I just <laughs> I just sent a message to uh, Shay's dad and said, hey, I got to find out news from uh, Bruce Feldman. Get back to me. So I will uh, talk to him. He, he and I famously once got thrown out of a seven on seven tournament together. <laughs> so, uh, Chase Patterson's dad falls on the Womack spectrum of craziness uh, for sure. I believe also uh, with the th- Tom Van Haren from ESPN uh, reporting that Van Jefferson is going to be on the trip as well. Of course, Michigan fans will remember Van Jefferson from me telling them the night before signing day that he would be signing with Michigan. And then he signed with old miss, uh, <laughs> on signing day. and Michigan fans were not happy with me, but guess what? Uh, you know, I, th- I was told it was a done deal. The kid was supposed to announce in the morning. His mom ended up coming out and I think yelling at the media there, telling him they're putting too much pressure on her son. <laughs> he delayed the announcement all That's day fair. and eventually announced for Ole Miss. So, uh, you know, as Jack Black famously once said in uh, School of Rock, uh, read between the lines um, on that. We can really, we could really, and this is going back to something you said about you and Shay's dad being thrown out of that seven on seven. We could do a special edition of this podcast where we just recount the insane things we've seen happen on seven on seven. tournaments. <laughs> and I can tell the story about when Snoop Dogg's coach for the Snoop Dogg team choked a tournament director on the rocks and Snoop saw this all happening. I've never seen that man move so fast. He ran to the parking lot. He did not want any part of what was going on with that. Hey, uh, well, what, what happened was, uh, uh, Shay's dad, Sean, was uh, he had he was taking umbrance with some of the uh, calls by the referee. Shay was playing quarterback. This was for the bootleggers. Uh, Jimmy Smith, another friend of the show, his team, and uh, him and the ref got into it. And the ref took off his shirt and uh, <laughs> threw it at, at Shay's dad. At which point, he went to put on the referee's shirt because he was going to take over his. <laughs> This referee for the game, uh, and they were they were playing uh, uh, Byron Deviner's team, not a friend of the show. At which point, Byron then told the tournament director that we both needed to be thrown out, and then threatened to fight me. Uh, at which point, I told Byron's entire team that uh, you know this is your coach. Uh, this is the tune guy in, you want. Yeah, 
tune in next week when I tell the story about a Division One quarterback's dad who ran out onto the field in the middle of a game and flicked a lighter in a referee's face and threatened <laughs> to set him on fire. Oh, <laughs> oh, that was a good one. That was a good one. That was a seven-on-seven game. Uh, and then, uh, of course, we have a famous story about a, a dad coming down on the field and pulling his son out of a game, but we won't tell that one uh, as that kid is still in, <laughs> that kid is still in, uh, in uh, high school and, and Nick is covering currently. So a little, little bit of a teaser there if you can uh, read between the lines. Once again, second check, black reference. Uh, all right, moving on. Justin Fields, boy, how the, people have been asking, Woody, how can you uh, shoehorn Justin Fields back into the show? You love to talk about him. And guess what? Dan Mullen gets the job at Florida, immediately starts going after Fields, uh, pitching him on the chance to come in and play right away. There's also been some talk that Fields uh, might consider Florida State if uh, they make a, a certain hire, which may have already been done. As I said, we're recording this on uh, Tuesday. So, boy, do we think. That Florida has a chance. I, once again, speaking of being wrong, when Justin Fields decommitted from Penn State, Florida was the clear leader, and that's where I thought he was going. Of course, that was before everything happened at Georgia. We know right now that Jake Fromm is the type of player who is going to play every game for the rest of his career and never miss a game, and he's not going to leave early for the NFL draft. Uh, I, that's my prediction, just looking at him right now. So Justin Fields now is going to go to Georgia knowing that He's probably going to be the backup, you know, maybe he redshirts, who knows, they, they have some lack of depth there, maybe he plays, but, you know, he, he may only get one or two years as the starter. If you're him, Rob, or if, or Nick, whoever wants to take this one, don't you think he, does he, does he owe it to himself to hear out Florida? And if this, if he doesn't sign early with Georgia, does Georgia have to do a contingency plan and maybe take a second quarterback? So, Rob, you go first. You know, I don't think he owes – I don't think it's about owing it to himself. I think that what we know about Justin is that he kind of enjoys this recruiting stuff. I, <laughs> now, if, if Florida State hires Willie Taggart or somebody of the such, if that's done now, uh, by the time you hear this, then who knows. They have no quarterback in this class. They have no quarterback aside from DeAndre Francois that we've seen on the roster. Uh, Florida is the same way. They have a real problem, question mark, at quarterback. And sure, they have Matt Corral committed. If you're Fields, I don't see why you don't at least go check it out, especially with what would Fromm have to do to get benched? I mean, at this point, Fields cannot win that job. He could go in there to Georgia and be head and shoulders the best quarterback at camp, and they still couldn't play him because it's too much of a risk. You don't sit the guy that's taking to the college football playoff no matter what. Um, so I think he'll look. I, I If I had to guess, I don't think he'll be signing early. I know Georgia expects all their players to sign early. But once these coaching hires shake out, uh, knowing what we know about Justin, I, I could see him wanting to give – these schools one more look, especially the two Florida schools, just to kind of see what's available to him. Now, I'm not saying he'll flip. I don't know that for sure. Who knows? But I could see him wanting to give these guys one final look. Yeah, it, it, it's it's really going to be interesting. Like you said, Justin enjoys it, and he knows what he's doing with, you know, he, he's very smart about his tweets. Uh, man, great at managing his brand, as someone said on a Rivals Conference caller last week. Uh he knows what he's doing, and and he shouldn't sign early. Guess what? Nobody should sign early. I hate to break it to you, unless I knew. Unless, like, say you're like me, and some school offered you a scholarship, and you know you're not good, and you need to take it, then take it. Other than that, why sign early? With all because all these coaches, we're just getting started. I mean, I went back and looked at some of the assistant coaching stories I wrote. I, we were into April, and I was still writing about 
which which assistant coaches were switching jobs. Why rush it and make a decision that you don't have to make? And if a school tells you they're going to move on, then that means when you got there, you probably weren't very high on their board to begin with. So I think a lot of the schools in the Midwest are going to be able to get some of the kids to sign. But I do think there are a lot of kids down here, like Justin Fields, if you're not enrolling early, what are you doing? Why sign? There's there's no incentive to sign, especially because, I mean, you look at there are going to be power five jobs still getting filled into this week and next week, um, you know, and, and we're, we're, you know, 15. And in Tennessee's on. case, maybe next month. Right. <laughs> exactly. I, I know they're going to hire somebody now by the time this, this airs, just to stick it to you. But uh, anyway, we're follow, we're tracking fields. He will be back on the podcast rundown. Uh, I still think if I had to make a prediction, he sticks with Georgia. But Dan Mullen's a good recruiter. And guess what? He was at Florida. He coached Tim Tebow. He coached Chris Leak. Fields would thrive in his system. There's no doubt in my mind. And especially, you know, maybe maybe Fields watches the college football playoff and sees how Fromm does because guess what? Especially if Fromm wins the national championship, there's just no way. There's just there's just no way he ever comes off the field. He's a game manager. He's never gonna be terrible uh to the point where you think about benching him. I mean, he never he didn't have a he essentially had one bad game all year, and that was against Auburn. But the whole team had a bad game, so you can't even blame it. You can't. It's not like he threw five interceptions or something like that. So I don't. I don't ever see him leaving the field. And as I mentioned, I don't know if he's going to be the type of guy that leaves school early for the NFL draft. So we'll be tracking that one now. In a in a gift from the Twitter gods, Herm Edwards, <laughs> the former NFL coach, and uh, uh, I don't know. I wouldn't call him a friend of the show uh, because of. Uh, you know, some, some drama we created uh, earlier in the year. <laughs> we know Herm Edwards, at least a casual relationship. He's been coaching the Under Armour game for years. He's been on uh, TV on ESPN. He takes the Arizona State job and gives a press conference for the ages yesterday to the point where everybody was tweeting about it in the college football world. Rob, of all the things he said, and I think uh, Nick, Nick saw the the thing he said about uh, our our Sun Devils uh, site uh, devilsdigest.com where it appeared he didn't seem to know the name of the school <laughs> the, the mascot. Well, he knew the name of the school. Yeah, he did not know that they were the Sun Devils. It seems he's completely surrounded by pitchforks. Like if you <laughs> if you look at the video and you see him, there are pitchforks everywhere. So the one thing that really caught my attention and i think it caught yours rob too was uh when he said that the problem with the the problem with the world today is we don't huddle enough uh is that was that the exact quote yeah he said the problem with society is that we don't huddle enough which is you know (laughs) i mean i don't really know if the, the joke i don't think anything i can say will be funnier than that um i don't know what that means obviously um I, I, I was it a football thing too is, he, is it like was it like double entendre where it's like you know we don't talk enough as a society and share ideas and also i want to slow down the offense yeah here or was the, it just like a thing to say here was the quote herm edwards we don't huddle anymore in our society that's the problem with it to be honest <laughs> <laughs> i mean if you're an arizona state fan you've just got to be I mean, you've got to hope that you like your coordinators and that they're going to, they're going to. But why did they keep, that's the other thing. If you're going to hire Herm Edwards, which I still cannot believe is a real thing. They kept the entire staff. So they were just like, the problem here, let me tell you what the problem here is, is that we have Todd Graham and he's 
sabotaging the school. So let's replace him with a guy that hasn't coached college football since the eighties. And that's going to fix everything. That's, I mean, that's, if you keep the whole staff, that's the only line of thinking, right? Well, and the, the theory was they're going to run it like a CEO. Uh, and what does that mean? The, the weird part was that they let his they let his agent speak at the press conference, at which point he said, I have no doubt that he'll put a lot of points on the scoreboard of life for everyone in this community. <laughs> Nick Kruger, you are an intelligent gentleman. Uh, I feel like that you have very good reading comprehension. I'm going to read you a statement that came from this press conference, uh, what I believe was uh, the athletic director from Arizona State. And I'm going to read this to you, and I want you to tell me what this means. Okay? He said, our goal for this football program is to reach unprecedented heights, and therefore, we need to find a way to operate more innovatively and efficiently than we have in the past. In the spirit of innovation, our vision for this program is to have a head coach who serves as the CEO and central leader with a collaborative staff around him that will elevate the performance of players and coaches on the field, in the classroom, and in the community. Equally important, the head coach will be a dynamic and tireless recruiter. Okay, I understand what the last sentence means. Everything else before that is word salad. That is just a bunch of words that don't say anything. <laughs> well, they, I mean, there, there's a lot of, uh, the, the, the culture of college football, I mean, there's still so many coaches that are like, they claim that you know building character is more important than wins and losses, which is obviously not <laughs> not not the truth. Uh, based on based on this uh, this coaching carousel most recently that we've seen alone, but I mean, you know, what what can you what can you say about what can you say about Herm? Everybody knows what they're getting in him. I mean, he's he's a big talker. It's like even when he comes out in that press conference and clearly doesn't know what he's doing there, like he's still. Will like he he'll still come out like a like a ringmaster at a circus, you know, and like big personality, and you know, you know, say things, deliver things in such a way that he's going to get you know get the kids to you know the recruits that they go after to be interested, you know, hold an interest in the program, and you know wh- whatever we have to say about him. I mean, you know, there is going to be some perceived um, you know legitimacy to the hire because he has a you know he has a a resume of coaching in the NFL. And See, and I think that's where you're wrong. I think he does have that resume, but I don't think these kids know or care about that. Well, resume. here's what I think, but he's going to let, he's going to let them know about it. Are you kidding me? He's going to walk, he's going to walk into the room and he's going to throw all that NFL experience in those kids faces, gonna, you know, and when he walks out the door, he's going to be made fun of. <laughs> here's, here's what I think. I think Herm will do a great job recruiting, uh, kids from stable environments who who do deep research, who know about him, who we can go in and talk about, you know, make a case to, to mom and dad uh, or, or maybe, you know, just one of the parents. He, he can do a great job in those situations and he will get commits. And I think out West, I think you can do that. Rob, you covered Arizona. You lived in Arizona. I think some of those kids there, oftentimes when we talk to them, they seem to be, you know, I, I don't know, more dialed in than maybe some of the kids we, we've covered in the Southeast. So I, I do think he's in a good area. It's not like he, he's here in the Southeast. But I do think he's a, he's, he's got to do more research. You can't just roll in and do – I mean, like, we're going to go over some more quotes, okay, from this press conference. Which, Rob, you have not heard these. This is from Kyle uh, Bonagura, which I always think is Kyle Bocanegro when I see it, uh, the, the soccer player. Herm coached Jameis Winston Winston, Amari Cooper in the Under Armour All-American game. Quote, Jameis, this Amari, Amari, this is Jameis. 
Here, here is the plan. First day, Jameis, you throw it to Amari. Amari, you catch it. Scored 40-something points. Ended up winning pretty good. That's kind of football. What, Herm said yeah. that? Herm said that at his press conference yesterday. Quote number two. David Ubin, by the way, ton of great job covering his press conference. The, we I don't have one society that. anymore. Okay. Herm Edwards on how, he, how to learn complex recruiting rules. It's real easy. You ask questions. I know I can't mention an athlete's name. <laughs> and this one. I mean, he's right. Herm Edwards was asked about the Territorial Cup and has turned in, and has turned it into a rant against NFL free agency and the lack of NFL rivalries. I mean, <laughs> it's clear sometimes at, at all three of us has been in press conferences where it's clear that things are going off the rails. And, and I think that's sort of what happened there. I, I don't think it's going to get a ton of a national attention. It'll be interesting to see how they do. I, I don't think this is a, you know... <laughs> <laughs> what does run the program like a CEO mean? Does that mean he's not going to call plays? And if that's I the case, why did they just hire the guy that was going to call the plays to be the head coach? I think it means like we've seen it like, you know, maybe like your boy Bill Snyder at uh, Kansas State or, or George O'Leary. Where- it's like yeah, Bill Snyder controls how much butter his players get with his meals. He's not running the program like a CEO. That dude is a control freak. Don't be fooled. Well, listen, I've got news for everybody that listens to this podcast. All the talk that we've had over the past couple of weeks about uh, Gruden going to Tennessee and how that wouldn't work and all the reasons why. I mean, this is a perfect example. Okay, no, if, if you aren't happy, if you aren't happy with, if you're an Arizona State fan and you aren't happy with how the season went and you take a look at them hiring Herm Edwards and keeping all the rest of the coordinators, that is the clearest point that anybody can tell that being out of college be, being out of coaching for so long that you don't even know anybody that you can bring with you to your staff that you have to keep the staff that caused the old you know that was part of the old head coach getting fired to begin with like that's that's as big of a red flag as you can get in a in a higher like uh, 100% this, you know? agree I, we could talk so, about this well they, i think they made him so, so so to say so to say that so but so to say that he is going to run the program like a CEO like what else can he do all he he's 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 totally a figurehead I mean his press conference was a, a a clear example of that he came he did exactly what I just said he just came in there and he said things in as big of a personality as he could whether they made sense or not and and that's how he's going to be because that's what CEOs in every company in America do. <laughs> It's amazing right? we didn't learn something last year about hiring somebody for a job that has no idea what the job is. It's you think somebody in this country would, would be familiar with how that works and how that goes. Okay. Uh, next thing you know, he's going to be right. threatening North Korea. No, okay. We don't need any of your socialist rants uh, coming in yeah, here, yeah, yeah. Rob. So we're going to give her a chance. We're happy that we get quotes like this to talk about. I know Arizona State fans cannot be thrilled with us, uh, but uh, we'll see how he does in recruiting. We'll see how they play. Uh, so. <laughs> we'll just go from there. The only interaction, I'll say this to end on a positive note. The only interaction I ever had with Herm, I came away from enjoying. He's a very nice guy, and I'm sure he means well, and I hope he does very well. I just don't see how that can happen. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving on. Time for rants and recommendations. Uh, the sheet is uh, blank here. You guys got nothing? No rants, no recommendations? I got, I got a recommendation. Okay, let's go positive. What is it, Nick? Uh... Hold on a uh, so so last uh, last night I went to go see Disaster Artist. That was pretty good. Oh yeah, I want to hear about that. Let's what is that? that? Yeah, have you seen the room, Woody? Are you familiar? No. <laughs> okay, go ahead, Nick. You don't you don't even know about this yeah. movie, though, Woody? Like the 
So there's a there's a movie there's a movie called uh, The Room, which came out uh, early 2000s, I believe. And, uh, you know, it's done by this guy named Tommy Wiseau, who's like this real mysterioso figure. Nobody knows how old he is, where he came from, like where he has all this money. He like self-funded a movie because he wanted to be an actor uh, that notoriously like went on to being like one of the worst films ever made. I have seen but it. It's- but it's got like and and I've I've not seen the movie itself, but I've like I went down like a YouTube rabbit hole of like I've basically seen the movie through like a a collage of YouTube videos that it like point out all the best clips of the movie and stuff like that. So um, you know, it's it's comically bad uh in the way that it was put together, but you know, apparently there, so so there was a there was a guy that was like kind of a co director uh that was brought on by the studio that wrote a book uh kind of by uh how do you say it how, what's the verb of biography Bi- biographing <laughs> the uh you know the the mo- the process of the movie coming together made a book about it so then uh james franco and seth rogan turned around and turned that book into a movie and that's what this is and it, it was actually really enjoyable and really funny and um you know even though i don't really know a lot of the behind the scenes uh stuff that's probably in the book i feel like all the characters are are pretty well fairly represented I would, I would love to see that movie and i probably will eventually that's a good recommendation oh it's it's, it's really funny it's really funny you should go see it. like you don't have to you don't have to see the original movie to watch um to to watch this you know and and at the end in the credits they they show scenes that they reenacted from the movie and put it side by side with the original so so you can kind of see the the accuracy there I, so it was pretty good i have actually seen the room twice Woody, you will not believe how bad this movie is. There are just like characters that come into it that have like large arcs. Like one of them has a life-threatening disease and then they just disappear and are never heard from again. And like plot arcs just stop and people like actors change and plot lines change and characters are completely forgotten in the middle of dialogue. It's, It's almost, if I didn't know better, I would think it was intentionally bad, but it wasn't. And that's what makes it great is this guy was really trying and he ended up with this movie that somehow got made and it's, I mean, it is really special. Boy, that's that's interesting. I, I knew nothing of any of this. So this was maybe some type of uh, blind spot for me. So big, big recommendation there. Off the, I like when you go off the grid, Nick. That's a good one. But speaking of movies, boy, do I have a take for you guys. And Nick, you is it about Die Hard? I don't know what how Nick feels about this. But Rob and I talked about this. Christmas Vacation is a terrible movie, and it sucks. <laughs> There's no reason to I, ever watch it, and everyone tweets about it like it's funny, and they make all these references. It's not funny. It's a horrible movie. Am I right? It's sharknado adjacent in the way that the internet sometimes just decide they like well, it, like something no, but and then you're not allowed to, to say it's bad and everyone's like oh sharknado is the is die hard a christmas movie it's a joke thing no, no i'm just saying that sometimes on the internet no matter if it's intentionally bad or intentionally good when it decides that something is good then it is good and that's how people play i mean i don't understand like if you just saw christmas vacation today and it had no reputation you would not make it through the entire well and i understand the nostalgia but i don't remember when did that movie come out in the 80s I we all grew up in the '90s. I don't remember every anyone ever talking about that movie. About like, oh man, the Griswolds. Nobody I knew ever watched that movie. People liked Home Alone, which, by the way, I also don't like. Spoiler alert. But I can I can sign off on it at least because I understand if you were a kid when it came out and you liked Kevin, even though you know the, the, his parents are terrible. He's a little terrorist, and those dudes are like 
you know, trying to attack a child, which is which is pretty problematic. But Christmas vacation. See, I remember Vegas vacation having more buzz. That maybe that's just because of my degenerate family or something. But I heard more about Vegas vacation than I ever did Christmas vacation. Okay, Nick, you come from a salt of the earth family. Two great parents. <laughs> your brother has been on the show. Yeah. What's your take on this on this movie? Is it good or not? I've, I've wow. never seen Christmas That vacation. tells you all you need to know, that the Kruger family did not watch this movie. And all these... We don't watch... We, well, here's... Okay, well, for, real real quick, just to, to touch on what Rob just said. There, there's a difference between a summer blockbuster and a seasonal Christmas movie. I mean, the the, the Vegas vacation is going gonna, is gonna to have a wider, you know, a, bit, a, a, a stronger leg to stand on, you know, on a broader scale over the calendar year than, uh, than a Christmas vacation movie. But, set, but my, my main thing is... I'm just not a huge Chevy. Uh, what's his name? Chevy, Chevy Chase. Chase. I'm I'm not a big fan of his, just generally speaking. So, no, little motivation for me to watch any of those vacation movies. Yeah, and if we're going National Lampoon movies, and you want to talk about a hot take, my favorite National Lampoon movies will always be Van Wilder. I, I don't <laughs> recency bias. Well, the the the, div, the problem too with uh, you know with the way movies are done these days, you know, eighties movies, late nineties or early nineties movies, you know, long form storytelling, you know, th- things moved around a little bit slower. Like, you know, what do you, here's a, here's a good holiday story for you. When, when I was still living in Atlanta and me and Woody were uh, each other's best friends living in the same city, we came, we, we came over for Thanksgiving to his place. And what, and what movie did you put on? <laughs> what about Bob? <laughs> what about Bob? And, and it was, you know, and he put it on and I'm kind of like, uh, an 80s movie, like I'm probably going to fall asleep before things really take off. But I enjoyed the movie thoroughly beginning to end. I can understand, you know, I can understand the uh, the nostalgia associated with movies from that well, from that time period. But Christmas guess Vacation, what, not Nick, on my Do list. I have a recommendation for you? It's a movie called Scrooged starring Bill Murray, where he is this TV executive and he is such a jerk the entire time. It's hilarious. Highly recommend a much better Christmas movie. I understand you want a movie you can watch with your family or whatever. Guess what? Watch Elf. I know some people don't like Elf. Elf is infinitely better than Christmas Vacation, where it's just like I, the whole the whole shtick is is terrible. And I just pulled up the top twenty five uh, Christmas movies of all time, and you guess what didn't make the list on Rotten Tomatoes? Can, can anyone guess? Okay. National Lampoon's Die Hard. Yeah. <laughs> Die Hard. Uh, okay, so so listen. So listen. Uh, let's go. We go to the comments of the, that story, and people say Christmas Vacation, and a person says, "You are an idiot. That movie is the best. Get your head out of your blank." Uh, and then this people guy, defend Christmas Vacation the way that they defend Michael. Yeah, Jordan. this guy says, "Well, guys, I like the movie too, but it's just a movie. No need to be insulting people for not liking the same movie as you. Who cares if he likes it or not?" And then it goes down a rabbit hole, and they are all just ripping it until this one person comes in and says, "They're ripping each other, or ripping the people uh, who don't like the movie." And uh, this person comes in, and I wish I could read you their username because it's so funny. And she says, "It's a crap movie." <laughs> yeah. blank. Uh, my favorite hot- where did where does where does the christmas story fall on that oh list oh boy christmas top? story is number nine uh which I've never what's number there. one mm, number one number is, one is actually christmas in handcuffs the melissa joan hart movie where she kidnaps mario lopez because she doesn't want to go home for the holidays and be single <laughs> number one strangely enough in a shocking upset number one is it's a wonderful life uh Number two uh, is Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Miracle on Thirty Fourth. There's a lot of these. Where old- is Christmas in handcuffs on there though? It's not on the Grinch is number five. 
Guess what's number seven, Rob? Christmas in handcuffs. Die hard. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> There's also a very controversial movie. Number 22 is Batman Returns. Oh, uh, no, that's a good one. That's a Christmas that's a movie? I enjoy well, you know, it's 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 a Christmas movie in the same way Die Hard yeah, well, is. I don't want to go down there. Gremlins are <laughs> well, just as long as yeah, as long as you're not joking about Batman, his Batman Returns on Twitter. Listen listen, ba- Batman Returns is is by far the best Batman okay, movie ever. Okay, so made. here I got a quick Batman Returns story. Uh in this movie, Danny DeVito famously plays the penguin, right? And he's known for wearing the 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 penguin type tuxedo with the long flaps, right? This movie came out in 1992. Shortly thereafter, I believe it was the next spring or summer, uh, my cousin Lucy got married, uh, which was, you know, I think it was her second marriage, if I remember remember right. And my Uncle John, uh, who's been discussed in this podcast before, showed up in almost a complete replica of Danny DeVito's (laughs) Penguins. He had a top hat on and a little cane. And oh. penguin flaps, and this is oh. the father of the bride at this wedding, just dressed like a total buffoon. Uh, <laughs> and it, it really. Well, hey, hey, hey! But she should have got it right the first time, yeah, well. you know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, saved yourself the embarrassment. Uh, you're talking Uncle John, also who showed up to my dad's uh, funeral with bells on his shoes to, to give you <laughs> give oh you an idea <laughs> of what type of a lunatic we're talking about. Uh, so big shout, Uncle John. Uh, I hope uh, hope things. <laughs> Oh, thanks for going well. I'm looking at the picture now of Danny DeVito in this ridiculous outfit. And to think that my Uncle John, who's also a short, fat Italian person, uh, wore a similar a similar outfit. It was it was fantastic. Big shout to M. Deuce, who came on this show and pre- told us he wanted Jonathan Smith to be the quarterback of Oregon State. And who did they hire but one Jonathan Smith? So big shout to him uh, for predicting that. Please go follow him. Uh, you can find him on SoundCloud at m deuce we are BFFs back from back in the day. So uh, that wraps it up. This is going to be fun for Nick to cut up as we made all types of errors here in the last minute or so. Um, but leave us a review. We'll be back next week with a show from the road. Rob and I will both be traveling. So uh, be on the lookout for that. And uh, thanks for listening. <laughs>